We start a series called Healthy Hearts. Um, <clears throat> every once in a while, whether we like it or not, we need to stop a minute and examine our hearts. Um, I will be honest. I'm your pastor. Um, I try to lead into this. I don't particularly enjoy, okay, this process, difficult. I'd rather just keep going, act like everything's fine and uh, not really deal with. feels like an emotional thing, you know. It's like, ah, that's not for me. But um, here's what I know. The Bible talks a lot about our hearts. And if we don't pay attention to them, we're going to have a problem that's similar to if you never check your engine oil, at some point your engine's going to quit working. You're going to have problems. And so um, I know it's important and it matters. And so every August, I try to lead us in this and, and let's do something. Let's open up the hood. Let's look under the hood in our lives and let's examine our hearts. And so last week I asked the question, how is your heart doing? We've been through a lot as a country, as a community. It's not over. We're continuing to struggle. I go to events and different things with leaders and everybody, everybody's still talking about um, trying to process what we've been through. We're still under the weight of a lot of change and a lot of stress and a lot of stuff that's gone on. And so um, chances are your heart's a little stressed. Maybe you picked up some damage through the last few years. And so what I want to do is help lead us through the scriptures into a place of healing and finding healing. And so I'm going to try throughout this month to deal with some different heart issues, problems that we can have, and uh, hopefully point you to, again, healing through God's word, and give you some examples of testimonies and people that have found that healing or finding it. And so this week, we're going to broach a topic and a book in the Bible that deals with one of the issues we can run into, and that is when relationships get broken— and so we're going to look this week at the book of Philemon, which is a small book in the New Testament written by the Apostle Paul, his shortest one. And it's, uh, it's just one page pretty much, but it deals with this issue of restoring relationships. And so it's something that's important for us. Our hearts need, in order for us to be healthy, we need to be restoring relationships. We need to get softer hearted towards the people around us, even the people where we've had issues, where maybe we've been hurt and damaged. And so I wonder, to start this off, ask a couple questions. One is, has anyone ever let you down? You're like, yeah. how many times? I mean, do you want? that's a silly question. Okay. Has anybody ever betrayed you? It's a little harder. Has anyone ever stolen from you? Has anyone ever done that kind of damage? Somebody close to you. Um, when I was in junior high, my family moved to Utah. I was in, I think, eighth or ninth grade. I can't remember for sure what grade I was in, but I was in that time in life, and we lived in this kind of a corner lot, end of uh, uh, a block in a city, and had a next-door neighbor, an older couple lived there, a man that was retired and um, had some physical issues. And one day, somehow, I don't know if he talked to my mom or whatever, but I ended up over at his house after school, and he said, I've got a job that needs done. I have a pile of rock, gravel, that needs to be moved. And it's going to require a shovel and a wheelbarrow, right? And so um, I spent a couple hours that day working at it. Wasn't easy, wasn't fun. And uh, I remember thinking as I left, I'm not sure I really want to do that job. But somehow, I was kind of committed into it, and I said I would do it. Well, over the next few days, I found reasons that I couldn't show up 
and move that rock. And they weren't real honest reasons. One day, oh, I got to stay after school for band practice or something. I came up with reasons, any reason that I couldn't do it. And the problem is I wasn't being honest. I wasn't being truthful and I needed to show up and do it. He needed me. I made a commitment. But after a couple of days of doing that, I showed up and uh, I got to his house and I was going to start working. And he said, hey, I don't need you. You can just go on home. Which stung a little bit, right? He said, I need somebody that's going to get the job done. And uh, I realized uh, that I had done wrong. I knew that I'd done wrong. So it stung a little bit because I knew I had that coming. I didn't expect that, but that's what happened. Um, And so as I grow older, I realized that what happened there was I uh, hurt a guy that needed me, right? And I'd made a commitment to him and I wasn't being honest about it. And that was a lesson that I needed to learn. And I think we all have those moments What's really tough is when that's been done to you. You're the person in that spot that's been hurt, let down, disappointed. And so our story today, the book of Philemon, is really a story about a man named Philemon, who the the letter is written to. And Philemon was a high-level leader. He was a wealthy man. He probably had uh, a lot of businesses under him. He was important and powerful. He was the leader of the church in Colossae. Um, And so he was a leader in the church. He'd grown and been elevated to a place of leadership. And we think probably oversight of many churches, maybe a whole region of churches. He was overseeing them. He was a man uh, in an important position. He was a man of God and he had led and he had uh, grown as a believer and as a Christian after Paul had led him to the Lord and he had grown into uh, being an important person and a powerful person. As most wealthy people in the Roman Empire in the first century, because he owned property, because he had a lot of responsibility, he also owned slaves. Um, Much of the world, for most of the history of the world, has engaged slavery as a means to get things done. And in first century Rome, this was still a very prominent practice for both Christians and non-Christians. And we can see this issue of slavery began to be dealt with by the Apostle Paul in the church, when in like the book of Galatians, we see Paul say, listen, in the church everyone's at the same level. There's neither male or female. There's neither Jew or Greek. There's neither slave or free, but all are the same as we come to the foot of the cross, right? We're all equal in that regard, but that didn't change everything in the culture. It doesn't all change quickly. In fact, we know that for slavery to be done away with took a long time, right? But the message of Jesus and the gospel set up the possibility for that to be changed. But Philemon is a slave over, and one of his slaves that he had purchased at some point, or maybe he was born into his household, we don't know, but was a young man by the name of Onesimus. And Onesimus was a problem, because Onesimus had not lived up to his responsibilities. Legally, he was owned by Philemon. He had a responsibility to him. And instead of Living up to that responsibility, Onesimus had stolen from Philemon and he had ran. Um, And so he was a fugitive. He was a, a criminal. And he had run, we think, to Rome, which is where we think Paul was, in chains, right, for preaching the gospel. And he had run into Onesimus and Paul had uh, come together. They had run into each other and gotten to know each other. But this letter of Philemon is written, we think at the same time 
as the letter to the church in Colossae, which we call Colossians. Both of these are written and sent at the same time. And there's something really important that is going to be dealt with in this, and that is restoration. Where there's been a relationship broken, where offense has been committed, where sin has occurred. But we're going to see a story of redemption, reconciliation, forgiveness. This is at the core of the gospel. We know that each one of us needs to be restored in our relationship to God if we have any hope of spending eternity in heaven with him. And so restoration has to happen of the relationship between us and God first. But what happens after that is God walks us down a process of restoring relationships with other people. And so to be healthy, to have healthy hearts, we have to be engaging this topic, this conversation, this issue of restoration. But let me tell you, I know that it is one of the most difficult things to do. One of the most difficult things to do is when you have been hurt by somebody, when you've been wronged, when you've been sinned against, when they've damaged you, they've really done wrong, not just shown up or just not shown up to to move some rock, right? That's bad enough, But, but really hurt you. To be willing to restore the relationship almost always takes some help. And so what we see is Philemon and Onesimus at odds here. The relationships are broken. And we see the Apostle Paul in this letter step in the middle and work for restoration. And there's three aspects of the relationship that Paul needs to have with these two guys in order to bring this about. And it's the same thing that you and I are going to need if we're going to help restore people in their relationship to God or restore relationships uh, with each other, which is not an easy task, it's a hard, difficult thing. If we're going to be successful at it, that's why this message is for all of us, there's three criteria. We're going to need to have credibility. Credibility probably with both parties. We're going to need to have credibility with people and with God, right? If we're going to bring them together, we're going to need credibility with others if we're going to help with restoration, Doing and being a part of restoration is going to require boldness. It's not going to be comfortable. You're going to have to push back past the level of comfortability with people, okay? If you're going to be a part of restoration because it's uncomfortable and they're not going to want to do it, even if they know and love God. And the third thing you're going to need is leverage. Leverage. Um, let's dig into Philemon. Say Philemon chapter one. There's only one chapter. But the first aspect, the first criteria is you got to have credibility. And so first of all, the Apostle Paul is going to demonstrate and begin to work at reflecting this issue of credibility. If we're going to bring restoration about in relationships, we've got to have the, re- the credibility to restore. Verse 1 of chapter 1 of Philemon says this, This letter is from Paul, a prisoner for preaching the good news about Jesus Christ, or about Christ Jesus, and from our brother Timothy. I am writing to Philemon, our beloved co-worker. Paul starts the letter with a very simple introduction. I'm Paul. This is Paul writing. I'm a prisoner of the Lord for preaching the good news about Jesus. Now, that seems like a simple little introduction. What's the big deal? But we can contrast it to understand what he's doing here. We can contrast it with the book of Colossians, which again was sent at the same time, in which he says this in the beginning. This is written by Paul, an apostle, 
of Jesus Christ, right? So the letter to the Colossians has a, uh, a forward introduction that represents his authority, whereas in this letter written to Philemon, he reflects his position um, as a person in chains for preaching the gospel. And what he's doing, because what he's going to do with Philemon is ask something very difficult of him. He begins by establishing and reminding Philemon that not only is Philemon need to sacrifice for the gospel, but he is sacrificing for the gospel, right? He's like, hey, listen, Philemon, what I'm going to ask of you is going to be really tough. And so I'm going to set up this letter by saying this. Here I am. I'm writing this to you, Philemon. And I'm an apostle, but I'm in chains for preaching the gospel. I'm suffering with you. I'm in the trenches with you, right? Do you see what he's doing? There's credibility that he's establishing here as he writes this letter. You are in a role where you're going to need to ask difficult things of people. I don't care if you're a parent, a spouse, a coworker, a boss, or an employee. You're going to need to ask difficult things of other people if you're going to see what needs to get accomplished, get accomplished. Some of the hardest things that we need to do is as parents asking our children to not do what they feel like doing, but doing what they should do. And if you're going to win as a parent, can I just tell you that part of what's responsible is that your kids know as you ask them to do the difficult thing, that you're willing to try to do it too. That you're not just saying from your position, you need to get along with your sister. Meanwhile, you're fighting with your sister, right? I mean, they need to see that you're willing, you're fighting to do the same thing they're doing. This is what brings credibility to a person in a position of authority. And that's what gives you the ability to be able to, to leverage in and push in and ask people to do hard things. If you're a boss, and you, you lead people, if you're going to ask them to do difficult things, they need to know that you're in it with them. This is what makes it possible to see people do difficult things. And following Jesus and obeying the scriptures, as Pastor Luke said, it's difficult because we live in a world that says the opposite. And part of the reason it says the opposite is because it's hard. It's not easy to tell somebody that the way they want to live is not okay, that God's not all right with it. That's difficult. And so credibility is required if we're going to bridge the gap between people. And Paul just says to Philemon, just a reminder, Philemon, I'm in this with you. I'm fighting with you. I'm sacrificing with you. Next, he goes on to point out Philemon's characteristics and his, his, um, his reputation. And, and he lifts up Philemon by pointing out aspects of Philemon's life that are going to be required for Philemon to do the right thing in this situation. And so verse four, I'm skipping a couple of verses. Um, I'll be honest, part of it is because those names are hard to pronounce. But, but that's not all. I would fight through it and I'd be embarrassed in front of you if I needed to. But, but it looks like it's Philemon, his wife, and his son, possibly, we think, are, are the people that he's addressing there. But again, writing to Philemon, he goes on to say in verse four, I always thank my God when I pray for you, Philemon, because I keep hearing about your faith in the Lord Jesus. Keep hearing about your faith, Philemon, and your love for all God's people. This is going to be important as we get down the line and find out what Paul's going to ask Philemon to do. Philemon, you love all God's people, right? Verse 6, and I'm praying that you will put into action the generosity that comes from your faith. Generosity is going to be required today of Philemon. The generosity that comes from your faith as you understand and experience 
all the good things we have in Christ. Your love has given me much joy and comfort, my brother, right? For your kindness, that's going to be required of Philemon today in a very challenging way. For your kindness has often refreshed the hearts of God's people. Paul lifts up and points to Philemon's character, his attributes as a leader, who he is as a man of God, because all of those things are going to be tested today of Philemon in in a way he probably couldn't even imagine. One of the hardest things to do is to restore relationship when somebody has done you wrong. Paul sets it up, establishes credibility, the relationship. Philemon, I'm going to ask something hard of you, but I'm in this with you. I'm sacrificing with you. Come on, we need to do this. And what he moves on to next is a bold ask of Philemon, a very bold ask. And so the, the second criteria that's need for us to, uh, needed for us to bring about restoration, whether it's between God and people, whether it's between two brothers in Christ, whether it's between two people that have gotten estranged, family members, whatever it is, then the next criteria that's required to bring about restoration is boldness. We must have the boldness to lead to restoration. Verse eight, he goes on to say this. That is why Philemon, based on your character, based on who you are, all the good things I hear about you, all the things I know you know about following Christ, that is why I am boldly asking a favor of you. I could demand it in the name of Christ because it is the right thing for you to do. But because of our love, because of our relationship, I prefer simply to ask you, consider this then as a request from me, Paul, an old man. And now also, second time we see it, a prisoner for the sake of Christ Jesus. (laughs) Okay, you you can kind of feel it, right? You can feel what we're building here. (laughs) Okay, uh, Philemon. You're doing a great job. You're a great man. I know you have the capacity to do great things. You're doing great things. This is why, Philemon, I'm going to ask something of you, and it's going to be difficult. And I'm really going to ask it in a nice way. When I was raising my kids, sometimes things would get intense. They'd say, Dad, why are you getting after me? Why are you upset? And I'd say, because when I said it nice, you didn't listen. (laughs) So now it's got to escalate. Do you think I want to escalate it? No. Do you think I like that? No. Sorry. (laughs) Little therapy session. Hey, listen, uh, Paul says, it's a favor. I could demand it, right? It's the right thing to do, Philemon, but I'm an old man. Just just listen to me. Let's make this easy. Could, Could we just do it the easy way? Oh, by the way, just another reminder, I'm a prisoner. (laughs) I'm in jail for preaching the gospel. You can see it. Now comes the ask. Here comes the moment where everything hits the fan, so to speak. Everything lands, the hammer drops. Verse 10, he says, I appeal to you to show kindness to my child, Onesimus. (laughs) You can just see Philemon, who? Who? (laughs) I don't know if you've ever had or been asked 
to forgive someone that you thought, you hoped you would never see again or you'd never run into again, but here they are in front of you and you've got to deal with them again. Philemon hurt, or excuse me, Onesimus hurt Philemon. What he did was not a small thing. Um, They had a relationship. Again, we don't know how long, but this was an important relationship and Philemon depended on Onesimus and he stole from him and he took off. And here is Paul saying, I need you, Philemon, to show kindness to my child, Onesimus. I became his father, Paul says, in the faith while here in prison. Onesimus hasn't been of much use to you in the past, understatement of the year. But now he is very useful to both of us. I'm sending him back to you and he comes and with him comes my own heart. Um, I don't know what Philemon thinks in this moment. I know that Philemon uh, probably heard that Onesimus was back in town. I'm guessing Onesimus comes with these two letters. Maybe they hadn't interacted yet. Probably Onesimus tried to get the letter to Philemon quickly. Right? So he would read this before he reacted to his presence in town again. But I'm sure Philemon might have thought to himself, well, this sounds great. Onesimus, who's a guy that's in trouble, his life's on the line. He's done some very horrible things and the punishment could be death. And oh, sure, of course he finds Paul and comes to Jesus so all can be forgiven. (laughs) That sounds like a great way to get out of trouble. Has he really changed? Is he really a different guy? I can just imagine Philemon might have some of those concerns and thoughts. That's why Paul presses so hard with the relationship that he has with Onesimus. He's like a child to me. Philemon, he came under my ministry and I was able to lead him to Christ and now he's grown. He's changing. He's become a different man. The guy that left you as a failure, as a thief, as a loser, who probably deserved to be punished with death, he's not that guy anymore, Paul. He's been transformed and changed. His name, Onesimus, means useful. And he certainly had not lived up to his name. But Paul is fighting for Again, what is at the core of the gospel, which is that people can change. Verse 13, he goes on to elaborate more about Onesimus. He says, I wanted to keep him here with me while I am in these chains. Another reminder for preaching the good news. And he would have helped me on your behalf. But I didn't want to do anything without your consent. I didn't want to force this on you, even though I know you would have done it. I'm filling in between the lines, right? But I want you, uh, I wanted you to help because you were willing, not because you were forced. It seems you lost Onesimus for a little while so that you could have him back forever. He's no longer like a slave to you. He is more than a slave for he is a beloved brother, especially to me. Now, Philemon, 
he will mean much more to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. This is a lot to swallow. I don't know if you can imagine, I don't know if you've ever been in a position like Philemon, but this is not a small thing. This is not an easy thing. And we have this in a short one-page document, but I'm telling you, there's a lot going on here that Philemon has to wrestle through. He's a man of God. He's a leader in the church. He's been called to a high position. He's had to lead by example. And I'm sure he has met with other people in his church or under his leadership and said, you guys need to get along. Come on. Like I used to do with my kids, hug it out. Come on. Right? Act like you love each other. Ever happened in your home? Probably not. But I mean, that stuff happens. And here's Philemon being confronted with his own issue, with a heart issue for him. It's easy for me to tell other people what they need to do. It's hard to do those same things sometimes, right? And so heart issues are not easy. This is not an easy thing because there's pain involved. There's hurt involved. There's betrayal involved. Those are not easy things. That's why in our culture we have hurt me once, shame on you, hurt me twice, shame on me. I'm not going to let you hurt me again. You can say you've changed. (laughs) I need to see evidence of it. And I need to see so much evidence that there's no way you could ever do to me what you did before. Well, Paul has been able to step in the gap. He's been able to work with Onesimus, lead him to Christ, see him grow. Paul's believed in him because Paul himself has had to grow to this point. And so he's fought for Onesimus and now he gets to be the person to try to bring about reconciliation between two men who love Jesus and are following him, but who have hurt each other. We don't really know Onesimus' side of it, right? We don't know the whole story, but we know there's hurt involved here. There's betrayal. There's, there's damage done at the heart level. And this is very hard to deal with. And so Paul has been uh, very careful in, in writing this and setting this up for Philemon to be able to walk him into an ability to restore things with Onesimus. You know, when it comes to these kinds of issues, part of the reason we need so much help is that we just don't want to do it. Like, I want to forgive everybody. I want to have a good relationship with everybody. But that obedience to do that, which I know God says to do, because of the hurt I've experienced at times, I'm resistant to it. I'm resistant. I know I need to obey. I know I need to do that. Yep. Okay, God, I know that. I know that's what your word says. Yep. But it's hard. It hurts. Kind of like uh, um, going to the doctor at times. Something's not working right. Something hurts. I know I should probably go and have it checked out. But if I just ignore it for another week, it'll probably go away, right? I know you've never thought that way, but I have at times. Because I don't want to go deal with it. I don't want to go to the doctor and get it confronted, find out something worse than I thought, whatever. That's kind of what these heart issues are like sometimes. And these relationship issues are so hard and touchy because there's pain involved. And fixing them is not easy. When I was a kid, again, in junior high, same time, that I messed up with the shovel and rock, I was also into riding skateboards. Now, maybe that's the reason I didn't want to shovel the rock. It was more fun riding skateboard. I don't know. But I had a skateboard, and I rode around the neighborhood. And not at the same time, so this wasn't punishment from God. But later on, I was riding my skateboard from my grandpa's house to our house on the sidewalk. And I went around a corner. And as good as I was, I uh, lost my balance. And so we're going, going past a yard 
of a house, I'll never forget, I lose my balance and I instinctively put my hand out to catch myself. Well, what was around the yard of this house was a wrought iron fence that had what looked like knives sticking up um, out of the posts, right? I don't know why they made fences like this, but when I put my hand out, which is soft, and it encountered one of those posts, which was like a knife, it went into my hand because the weight of my body. So I, I pulled my hand off, I co- recovered a little bit, I looked at my hand and I could see tendons, you know, and things inside of my hand that I knew I shouldn't be able to see. And so I started going to shock and, I, and all that. Well, my brother's there, so I had to be tough with my brother there. We get home and uh, all I could think of is I do not want to go to the hospital and get stitches. I had stitches before and it hurt. It was like getting injured all over again. I don't want to go through that again. So I said, I'm just going to not tell my parents. I'm going to wrap this thing up and, and it'll just go away. It'll heal on its own. And uh, as you can imagine, in the middle of your hand, that's not an easy place to heal because there's a lot of movement there. And no matter what you do, it just keeps moving. And so that wound, which was very deep, it did heal up. It was probably like three months later. It took a long time. It was an oozing mess for a long time. Eventually my parents found out, right? Because I couldn't hide the thing. And it caused a major problem. If I'd have gone to the doctor and gotten stitches, I probably would have healed in a week. This is what restoring relationships is like. We don't want to go restore them. We don't want to go deal with it because it's going to hurt. But not dealing with it leaves a wound that we end up carrying and living out of. And it affects us. It affects people around us. It affects everything. To get healthy requires that we deal with these things. And Paul, because he knows how hard it is, he's established credibility with Philemon. He's now been bold to bring up a difficult issue which he could have avoided by just keeping Onesimus with him in Rome. We could have just avoided this. Let's don't deal with it. But he sends Onesimus back in part because it needs to be dealt with. He wants to do it because it's so difficult and so hard. He does the next thing, which is he uses leverage. And there's times when we're working with each other, we're going to have to be bold in bringing things up with each other and challenging each other and helping each other grow. And we're also going to have to use leverage. And so to see restoration happen, reconciliation happen, we're going to have to be able to have the leverage to require restoration at times. Look at verse 17. Paul says this to Philemon. So if you consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. When you see Onesimus come through the door, Treat him, respond just like you'd respond if you saw me coming through the door. Verse 18, if he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge it to me. Philemon, you got a reason. You've been wronged, right? You've been stolen from. I'll take care of it. You can count on me. Put it on my account and I'll take care of it. And next is where the leverage comes. It's probably one of the strongest sentences I think in the Bible I I can't imagine anybody leveraging any harder than this verse 19 remember these letters are written by uh, an apostle Paul in this case and he's dictating it to somebody when letters are written in the New Testament we think of if we just grab a piece of paper out of the drawer and we grab a pen and we sit down to write a letter that is not what was taking place when these letters were written it was a very formal process it was very expensive getting the materials 
right? The, just the, 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 the ink and the pen and the paper, uh, the, it, was, it was not easy. It was expensive and difficult. It took a long time. And so sending two of these to Colossians uh, and Philemon was a lot of work, represented a lot of money on Paul's part. And so he's not writing, but here we see, this is so important, that he takes the pen in this moment and writes on the paper. And so verse 19, I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. That kind of says how important it is, right? To Philemon. I got ripped off. This guy stole from me. Paul's like, I'm going to take care of it. I will repay it. And next comes the leveraging statement. And I won't mention, Philemon, that you owe me your very soul. (laughs) What's the hardest you've ever tried to leverage somebody to do something you needed them to do? Have you threatened to take them to court? I'm going to call my lawyer. Wait till your dad gets home. Um, Have you ever said, I'm going to leave. I'm out of this if you don't do this. I don't know what the hardest leveraging you've ever done, but I know you've done it because you've needed something done. You needed somebody to do something for you to make this work. Paul, in this instance, is leveraging not just for himself, but for the sake of the gospel. But he reminds Philemon, he doesn't say, I saved you, Philemon. But he says, Philemon, you would not be a follower of Jesus if it wasn't for me. I'm just reminding you of that. What I need you to do here is of utmost importance. Verse 20, yes, my brother, please do me this favor for the Lord's sake. Give me this encouragement in Christ. Do the right thing, Philemon. I know you have it in you. Verse 21, I'm confident as I write this letter that you will do what I ask and even more. One more thing, please prepare a guest room for me for I am hoping that God will answer your prayers and let me return to you soon. I wanna come visit Philemon. I'm gonna check up on what you do here. I hope you do the right thing. You and I are called to do difficult things as followers of Jesus, very difficult things. Things we don't think we can do. Things that we think are impossible for us to do. Sometimes we need somebody like the Apostle Paul to have rapport, credibility with us, to be bold enough to bring it up, and the leverage to push us past our resistance to obedience. I'm reminded of the Apostle Paul back in Acts chapter 15 where he had an interaction with a young man. The young man's name was John Mark. And John Mark had gone with Barnabas and Paul on the first missionary journey, their first outing, starting churches, leading people to Jesus. And it had worked and they'd seen success and they got back home and Paul says, let's go back and check on all the churches. And Barnabas says, let's go do it and let's take John Mark, he's our boy. And Paul says, what? (laughs) Do you know what he did? He quit on us. I'm not, gonna, I'm not taking that kid with me again. He's a loser. He's a failure. He will not end up. He will not deliver. He won't be there for us. I'm not taking a quitter with me again. And here's Paul fighting for Onesimus, the loser, the slave, the failure. Philemon, take him back. He's been changed. We've got to believe that people can change. We've got to believe that God can do miracles in people's lives. And you have people that you've given up on, and so do I. And we don't have the right to do that. We don't have the ability to do that. We have to keep believing in them. 
We have to keep giving them another chance because God's called us to it. That's the message of the gospel. You know, Onesimus was a failure, a thief. He became a follower of Christ, which did change and transform his life. And church history tells us he became an apostle. He became a bishop at the same level that Philemon was at. Because Paul didn't hold him to his past. He believed in him. He kept fighting for him. He saw him come to Jesus. He trained him. He raised him up and then he handed him off back to Philemon where we can only believe that he continued to grow. He continued to be transformed to become who God made him to be. You and I are called to this ministry of reconciliation, of restoring relationships because we're followers of Jesus. The most important relationship that you and I can ever see restored is a relationship between the people that we know and the God who created them. We are called to restore that relationship. Paul literally says that we have this ministry of reconciliation that we're called to participate in. See, you know God and you know people that don't. And you know people that think God has hurt them. He's been against them. Some Christian has hurt them or been against them. They've been wounded. And you know, they've walked away from Jesus, the church, whatever. I don't want anything to do with that. And here you are in their life. And you have this opportunity. Will you step into it? Will you gain the credibility, which is really trust? Will you be willing to be bold, which is uncomfortable and difficult? And at times, Will you be willing to leverage to see them get right with God? Their eternity's at stake, and you and I have this opportunity. We can't win every battle there. We can't make it happen every time. We certainly have limited ability, but we can participate, and we can be a part of seeing that relationship restored. And I call us to continue to work to see people and God come together. God, thank you for um, calling us to be a part of your, your work for restoring the relationship with each one of us and you for your forgiveness and grace and mercy that you pour out on us. Thank you for not holding us to our past, but believing that we could be different by your power and your presence in our lives. Thank you for continuing to believe in us when we fall short. Father, I, help, I pray that you'd help us to see people the same way you do and to continue to work to see them get restored in their relationship with you. Help us to be healthy and to have healthy hearts so we can help some of those relationships that have been damaged get fixed. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.